you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Now that's also it's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Yeah. Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that down, you Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey buddy, what's going on? <laughs> oh man, I'm. I know this is only day three of the video, but uh, I'm struggling here to remember to keep looking at the dang camera. You know what? <laughs> no, I don't know what that's like, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Still recording in my mom's basement. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, I, I can't imagine. Hey man, great content, man. I love it. I've watched every second of the videos you posted. Had a great interview yesterday, but uh, yeah, man, I'm loving this. It's it's new. It's it's getting a little hard to get used to, but uh, uh, you you're doing great, man. Well, it's like I said on the last episode, Shane. I'm still in, uh, you know, I'm not in midseason form. I'm in camp mode. I'm trying <laughs> to get my reps up, getting ready for this uh, college football season. But I have been blown away by just the response and the and the support, and everybody seems to be loving it too. So if you haven't already, now's a perfect time to hit us up on the YouTube channel. It's just that SEC podcast on YouTube. And, uh, you know, check us out and give us uh, feedback of what you think about uh, video podcasts. That's right, man. Camp, man. <laughs> We're just trying not to get injured here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite thing about uh, going to this format, Shane, uh, now when we play these clips... Like we're about to get to uh, Jacquez Jones, of course, uh, the Kentucky linebacker, former Ole Miss linebacker. Now that we play these, we can show them at the same time. So, uh, you know, he's lost a little bit of weight since he's joined the, the team there in Lexington. Let's kick it over to Jacquez Jones. Really, the COVID year messed me up. You know, in Mississippi, you know, they got good gas station food. So the fried chicken, it was cheap. So... I think that really messed me up, but now uh, two, two, I'm around 228, so what I played in my sophomore year, and I feel great. All right, Shane, I think we can all uh, relate to gaining some weight during the COVID, could we? Oh, man, I love it. Is that is that Mississippi's motto, just the home of great gas station food? <laughs> 
Hey, one of, uh, <laughs> of one of the many things that is one of the most outstanding things from that state for sure. Anytime I'm driving through, uh, I'm not going to Cracker Barrel. All due respect, I'm going to the gas station. You know what? That's right, man. You got to be careful which one you go to, too, though. But if it's loaded up and it takes a while to get your order in, you know you're at the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not the uh, only clip that I really wanted to play here, Shane. I don't know if you caught this or not, but one of your favorites. You know, this guy loves to – seems like he's teasing Vol Nation every opportunity he gets. I know. But there in Oxford, Lane Kiffin, what was he playing on the practice field? Let's check it out. Oh, man. So how about that, Shay? They're playing Rocky Top down there at Ole Miss. Oh, of course, of course they, they play at Neyland Stadium this year, so maybe he's just trying to get his team ready for it. But – it certainly seems like he's poking the balls here, doesn't it? Oh, just another troll job by the old <laughs> Lane Kiffin. <laughs> That's what this is. And, you know, he sent out a cryptic tweet out earlier. Did you see that one? Michael Thomas sent out a tweet earlier, and it says, they tried to damage your reputation. You saved theirs by not telling your side of the story. And then Kiffin's like 1 million percent at underline. So it makes you wonder, who's he talking about there? You think Saban there? Or you you Mm. think that was a Tennessee thing because now we got the Rocky Top playing? I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it, but uh, it it just seemed a a little cryptic there at Lane, you know, trying to decipher Kiffin's tweets, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's a job in itself sometimes. (laughs) Not as bad as 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 the Pirate, but uh, it's up there. Well, one of the best, uh, you know, it certainly seems like the Ole Miss, uh, whoever's running that social media account for the official football team, we're going to get to that in just a second because if you missed it, Shane, the, you know, we don't get too concerned about, uh, you know, preseason polls and the coaches poll each week, but I did want to share that, uh, you know, they have released the official preseason coaches poll here, Shane. Okay. We got Alabama, number one. Uh-huh. Georgia, number five. Texas A&M. Wait, number... wait, wait a minute. Georgia at five? Yes, sir. Who, who the hell they got at two, three, and four? I, I, I got, the only ones I care about are SEC, brother. All I got here is SEC. Yeah, but the fact you got Georgia <laughs> at the fifth spot. Can I go down the list before okay, you start yeah. ripping it to shreds what, here? <laughs> what NFL team do they got up there? <laughs> number six, Texas A&M. Uh-huh. Number 11, Florida. Okay. Number 13, LSU. Mm-hmm. And then here's what I was getting at. Number 25, Ole Miss. And they retweeted rat poison to that one. <laughs> so we could go. Let's go. Now we can get back to Georgia here. Number five. Yeah, that uh, hell. I mean, I would probably put them one or two if we're being yeah. honest. But uh, you know, I think the beauty of this, this is this is kind of what you want. If you're Georgia, you're going into the week one matchup against Clemson in Charlotte uh, you know, be the under. You're already the underdogs according to the the point spread and all that. And now this is just a little bit more fuel to your fire. Let them get all the disrespect all preseason, and then go earn it on the field. Maybe maybe that's it, man. Maybe they need punched in the mouth before the season starts to get the most out of them. You know, because if you look if if you look at any article I've read, mm-hmm. it's talking about how great Georgia is and the expectations. But you know, to sit there at the fifth spot coming into the I. I I would argue that they are a top 
one or two team. And uh, yeah. yeah, maybe this is the ammunition they need because because it, it it ramps up real quick. Clemson week one, like you said, they got to be on their game. Now, how about, uh, I think the biggest surprise here, no dis- disrespect to him, but Florida at number 11, uh, I know it was Phil Steele, I think it was. He didn't even have him ranked for what that's worth, but uh, I certainly think Florida deserves to be ranked. But ahead of LSU, not sure I'm buying that. Number 11, you know, again, it's not a huge deal or anything, but I'd probably put them a little bit closer to 15. What are your thoughts on, on Florida coming in at number 11 right there? Uh, Mike, I, I, I'm going to be upset unless all 14 teams ain't in this top 25, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's just my thought. This is the toughest damn conference in the country. And, and I kind of, I kind of hate these lists because, you know, I've always thought when you say a top 25 team, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking out of all the teams in college football, if you played them head to head at a neutral site, I think uh, if you put them head to head, I think mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot more SEC teams coming out ahead than you know the five or six that they got in the top 25. Mm-hmm. But Florida, it, absolutely another one. They should put this on the bulletin board. You know that they're considered not even considered a top 10 team right now. When you and me both know that that's not true. Same thing with LSU. Where do they got Texas A&M again? Number six. Okay. All right. Six is a good number for them. I think, I I still think they're better than that, but you know, I I take these other two teams, these bubble teams, the LSUs, the Floridas and say, Hey, look, this is what the country thinks of you. Mm -hmm. And you know, Dan, out of all the coaches in the sec, Dan is the biggest when it comes to propaganda and and getting these boys fired up. Don't think he ain't got it taped up somewhere down there. Now in the uh, others receiving votes category, we got several other sec teams. So these are, they're not quite ranked, but they're just right outside the uh, the edge there. We got Auburn at 29, mm. Kentucky 37, Missouri 41, Arkansas 52, and Mississippi State 54. So the entire SEC West probably should be hovering around you know the top 30 in the country, but mm-hmm. uh, at least they all get respect here. And uh, I thought the the funniest reaction when I shared this on Twitter, Shane. Yeah. Uh, let's give this guy some credit. Throw up his tweet. But Joey Freshwater, he he responded with <laughs> Tennessee, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt just being sad that they're not included. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike, I'm gonna be honest with you. Before you I, before you brought up this others receiving vote, mm-hmm. as you were talking, I was wondering. I wonder if he has the others receiving votes. <laughs> if my team made it and we haven't. So it's us, South Carolina, and Vandy at the bottom, right? Yes, so sir. So outside 52, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stupid list. But I certainly think Kentucky, top 37, that's disrespectful. They should be a lot higher. Yeah. Uh, and then Arkansas, Mississippi State, I can make the case, both of them right there in that top 25 range as well. And, you know, it's very easy to – Look at their records from last season, but again, all SEC slate, ten game schedule. Uh, mm-hmm. Mississippi State had a losing record. What they do? They beat a ranked team in the bowl game. Uh, yeah. You know, Arkansas had to play Florida and Georgia. They got a game robbed from them, maybe even two. So, I mean, if if you're talking a potential four or five win SEC team, with then you throw in the non conference, you're getting four more wins. You're talking eight or nine ball club here. So, yeah, I mean, I I had a lot of issues with this list, but I think uh-huh. uh, 
Arkansas, Kentucky, and Mississippi State stand out to me as as three that are way too low. You know, and that's one thing about us finally moving to these super conferences. Eventually, these numbers will match up. (laughs) When there's just four conferences, we could say, all right, this is where they're sitting. But right now, these lists are so stupid, especially before (laughs) the season. You know, three weeks from now, we're going to be like, what the hell were we thinking putting them in the top 25? (laughs) All right, Shane. So, hey, we don't have a ton of uh, clips here. It's kind of like a coordinator Wednesday here in the SEC do got some some clips here from uh, coach Mason and Dan Lanning and then Bill O'Brien so you ready to kick it around the league let's do it now let's go around the league league. my my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald so uh, (laughs) I'm gonna wear a hat from here on out I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. And Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, so I'm just starting here at Auburn because that was kind of the big news here in the SEC. Uh, When you and I spoke last, Shane, we talked about uh, senior defensive lineman Tyrone Truesdale. They have announced, you know, they've confirmed that he's no longer on the team. He was a super senior comeback for, uh, you know, know, extra senior year, if you will projected to start on that defensive line. So that's a pretty big blow there for Auburn. But, you know, kind of as you noted, you know, that tends to happen with these first-year coaches. Uh, I'm not saying they ran him off or anything like that because I certainly don't think a player of his caliber you run off. But, you know, maybe just for whatever reason, just didn't mesh with the coaching staff. Or I know he just graduated on Saturday, so I'm sure that was part of his decision to come back. And, uh, you know, this may not be the last we hear from him. He – you know, now that he's a graduate transfer, he could potentially walk on anywhere else and play football. But uh, just wanted to make that little note. Uh, real quick, on that note, can he play this year or is he out this year? Is like Because you mentioned like a graduate transfer, now he's got his, his right. degree. I mean, he can just go anywhere. He doesn't have to sit out, right? I believe so. So that's the uniqueness of getting that uh, under college or undergraduate degree. You can just – uh, you know, there's no way there never has been in the last five, six, seven years. So, uh, yeah, I mean, any SEC team looking for help, <laughs> give Truesdale a call. You know what? Well, is there any places to land an Auburn lineman in the transfer portal? <laughs> Come on, baby. Come to Knoxville. <laughs> yeah, right there. Rodney Garner is former defensive line coach. That's so right, I man. would not be stunned. I'm just pure speculating here, but I would not be stunned if uh, Tennessee picks up that call. Uh, you know, they, they could use all the defensive linemen they could get. But uh, speaking of Derek Mason, Shane, I, you know, this is something that uh, we highlighted in the spring. And I thought this was one of the first indications that I really was uh, liking the, the new coaching staff at Auburn because we have moved J.J. Pagese to the defensive line. So <laughs> maybe he's a natural guy that uh, takes over this spot. I'm not, not suggesting he's going to be a day one starter, but maybe by the end of the season after playing tight end last year, you know, it's always, it was always fun to see him 
you know, get a catch or carry whatever the hell they were <laughs> trying to get six yards and making it look funny. But yeah, uh, you could tell just how big and, and fast and, and his moves for that size. If he were to play defensive line, he's got a Sunday future. So let's kick it over to Derek Mason talks about JJ Pegues and, and how that transition's coming along. And he also talks about uh, Donovan Kaufman, who he got to coach at Vanderbilt and now has followed him down to Auburn. Uh, Derek, Donovan Kaufman is a guy that ended up following you from Vandy to Auburn. What's your relationship like with him? And then what have you seen out of him this summer and this fall that would make you, like, what would you expect out of him this season? Uh, you know, our relationship, you know, has it, been, been good. It's going to continue to, you know, grow. Um, you know, I, I believe this much. You know, we're very much alike in terms of our personalities. He wants to win, I want to win. You know, he's a competitor, I'm a competitor. And I think that's what's shown up for him every day. Um, there's not a drill that he's in um, that he's not competing, uh, you know, with Smoke or by Darius or, you know, the Darius Tennyson or Geis. I mean, I mean, it's a competitive group, man, but he's an alpha competitor. And, you know, I, I, he, he, he actually competes more than he speaks. So what it comes down to is that, you know, I mean, he's a worker. And those are the type of guys that you want to be around. Could you talk about the big picture goals for preseason camp before you guys get into actually game planning for the season games in the opener? Yeah, you know, I mean, big picture goals are just about, uh, you know, I mean, football intelligence, football IQ, and, and technique. Coach always says, you know, I mean, effort with technique uh, in terms of how we play and what we do. Um, we want to be intentional uh, about about what that, you know, I mean, looks like. That means every day. You know, um, looking at the tape, being able to evaluate what we did well, what we can do better, okay, and just trying to stack good days on top of good days. And I think when you can do that, uh, you know, what you're looking at is working towards the idea of being consistent. A lot of people want perfection. I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for consistency. I can trust that, okay, man, and I know what that looks like. And so if we can put a consistent, uh, you know, run-stop defense or, you know, pass defense on the field, we can get to situational football and understand third down, the red zone, uh, you know, to end the half, end the game situations. Uh, we, we, we got a chance to be a pretty good defense. And so with that, you start with the small things like running to the ball, setting edges, stopping the run, you know, eliminating explosives. And then, and then what you do is start to hone in on the ideas of, you know, like how those things factor in, you know, like to winning ball games, first, second, third, fourth quarter. Derek, uh, you guys moved J.J. to the defensive line there near the end of spring. Just what have you seen from him since then and, and what he is capable of doing going into the fall? You know, JJ's getting progressively better, you know, every day. Uh, you know, Coach Easton and Coach Walker do a good job of, of uh, you know, I mean, pushing these guys uh, in terms of the indie. I think, you know, it's a process. And so, like, for him, just challenge him every day, uh, like, to be his best self and, you know, not not getting frustrated, you know, like, if, if it doesn't go exactly the way he wants it to go that day. I think JJ, you know, is a guy who's extremely athletic and talented. And, you know, like he wants to do everything right. And so, you know, as you're learning, okay, like sometimes that, that, that can be a frustrating process. But I think for him, it's been, he, he's picked it up fast. You know, he's getting better every day. And like the nuances are about repetition. So like for him, the more reps he's taking, the better he gets. It's just good to see, you know, like this big, explosive, strong, <laughs> and extremely athletic guy, uh, you know, up front because, you know, when you watch him in one-on-ones or when you watch him in nine-on-seven, you know, he can move the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, he can move laterally and, 
I just like the, 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 the temperament that he's shown, you know, since he's come back from offense to defense. All right, Shane, so I don't know about you, but uh, hearing Coach Mason brought me back to his old Mandy days <laughs> and played his clips on here. But, uh, uh, you know, if nothing else, I think we got confidence here at Auburn that, you know, the defense is going to play about as well as they possibly can with Derek Mason calling the shots down there uh, because there's there's not hardly anyone better they could have hired to run this defense on the plains, don't you think? Mike, two things here. For starters, before we get too far, don't think for one moment that Gary Danielson is not going to mention something about J.J. playing tight end <laughs> when he gets his first tackle. It's going to be 15 <laughs> minutes. So, hey, let's roll that tape, you know, from last year. <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen. Now, on the second part, I, I want to tell you, mm -hmm. there's a little pep. There's a little feistiness coming out of Coach Mason here, you know. I, I thought he was a little bit of doom and gloom when he was with Vandy last season. Mm -hmm. But could you imagine leaving Nashville, coming down here to the Plains and looking in that room and say, oh, Popo, why, hello, <laughs> smoke. <laughs> hey, come here, buddy. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. the, the, the kid, uh, he, he just got a raise, if you ask me. He's got new toys to play with. So Mason's going to have him boys ready. And, uh, I just, I love it because he's, he's a fun coach. Uh, he is a player's coach. You've talked to some players that's been with him in the past. I bet these guys come out, you know, they're, they're cleaning house, but clearly that's happening behind the scenes, but I think you're going to have the best product out there in Auburn when, uh, when the season starts. Yeah, just that little cherry on the top is Donovan Kaufman. You're taking maybe Vanderbilt's best defensive player, and he transfers down there with you. So, <laughs> I mean, that just that just speaks to what you're saying right there. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> <laughs> well, staying in the state of Alabama, Shane, let's kick it on down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Hey, I got bad news for the rest of the SEC because I'm starting to buy into old Bill O'Brien. <laughs> I don't know about you, Shane, but, uh, you know, of course, he's the big Question, I don't want to say question mark, but just the storyline heading into the season. How does he yeah. adapt after being in the NFL for so long? And, you know, it's been several years since he's been in the college game. How do they adjust after having Steve Sarkeesian, who, you know, he was – you may have concerns about him being a head coach, but he was just so damn good as an offensive play caller last year. During his first meetup, we don't get Bill O'Brien. We don't get any of the coordinators or assistants down at Alabama very <laughs> often. So uh, this is the one time of year they get to speak. So had to throw up these comments from Bill O'Brien. Talked about uh, Bryce Young and kind of what makes him special. And relationship that he has. I really like the fact, Shane, that it's not all about, you know, the quarterback's got to gain his trust. Right. He's, he's got to gain the quarterback's trust. It's, it's got to be a mutual thing. So I really like that. And the fact that he said – you know, they're, they've been so successful at Alabama. You know, he'd be a fool to come in there and try to change up the offense to, to do whatever the hell he wanted to do. And uh -huh. that's not the plan there in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, hey, Bill, I just wonder what makes, what makes uh, Bryce Young unique as a quarterback and among quarterbacks you've coached? Yeah, you know, a lot of these guys, everybody's different. Everybody's different. Everybody's got their own unique way of playing the game, their own style of playing. Um, I think when you look at high school football now and you, and you think about the way that uh, high school offenses are run and, and you, you know, whether it's spread offenses or, you know, how they operate from the sideline, getting the play in from the sideline. You know, there's just a lot of things that go into how a lot of these guys play their style. And Bryce, what stands out to me about Bryce is, is he's been very well coached. Uh, he was very well coached in high school, very well coached here last year at Alabama. He's a very bright young man. He works really hard. He's a really good teammate. He cares about the team. And I say that about the whole quarterback room. 
You know, when you when you talk about the whole room, Paul Tyson, Jalen Milrow, uh, Braxton Barker, and Stone Hollenbeck, it's a really good room. They care about the team. They all understand their roles on the team and, and what they have to do individually to get better, to help the team get better. And it's been fun to coach that room. Bill, I was talking to Christian Hackenberg this spring. He was very complimentary of you. He really enjoyed the relationship that you guys built. He said that to be successful to play for you, there's got to be a level of trust between you and the quarterback. What goes into that, and, and how do these quarterbacks start earning your trust? Yeah, I, lo- I appreciate Hack saying those things. Uh, you know, Hack was a very special player to coach for me while I was at Penn State. You know, I think the, the quarterback position, the way it's the, the way it's evolved over time, it, it's really a coach on the field, and that's the way it's been here at Alabama and Alabama's offense, and that's the offense we're running. We're running Alabama's offense, and. The, co- the, the quarterback, you know, he has to be very well prepared uh, from practice to practice, from meeting to meeting, and then quite obviously in the games because there's going to be a lot of things with all the multiplicity that you see on defense um, these days, and especially from our defense every single day, you know, you, you've got to be able to adjust. You've got to be able to communicate with your teammates, and, and, and there has to be a, a trust developed, not only a trust of me trusting the quarterback, but the quarterback trusting, you know, our offensive staff and me that we're putting them in the right position to make the right decision. So it's a two-way street when it comes to trust, and uh, that's why that position is so much fun to coach. Bill, since you've been there, what have you learned about the evolution of the Alabama offense? Like what looked familiar, what maybe wasn't, and how are you hoping to add to it? Yeah, I think that uh, Coach Saban, you know, made a good point uh, a couple weeks ago about that at the SEC media days. And, and you know, he, he's talked to me about that a little bit and how it has evolved over time and how each coordinator's uh, put their own touch on it. But at the end of the day, it's the Alabama offense. And, and, you know, when they went from more of a pro style to more of a spread style and, you know, when Coach Kiffin was here and then obviously Coach Loxley and Coach Dayball and, and, and obviously last year Coach Sarkeesian, it's evolved over time with all these great offensive minds that have been here. Every year is different. You know, I think in the end it comes down to who your players are, what can they do best, who your quarterback is, what can he do best, and, and what's best for the team. So no year is, is like any other year. So th- this year will be very different um, than any other year, and that's just the way it is in football. It's the way it's always been in my career, and these guys are working hard very, very, every single day to, to try to improve. All right, Shane, so you know, just based on those comments, you kind of get an idea of what I was talking <laughs> about. I mean, the rest of the SEC might be in trouble. They probably were already, <laughs> but uh, I, I love these comments from Bill O'Brien. What do you think? Yeah, man. I mean, could you imagine Bill O'Brien coming down there to Saban's Lake House and there's, what, 25 <laughs> national championship rings laid out there? You know, it just said, hey, we're not we're not reinventing the wheel down here. You know, this is a, this is a stopgap till you go to your next job. We're, we got some great players. Let's keep getting them the ball. Let's, let's, and that's the NFL mentality. Mm-hmm. If you look if you look at the NFL, it's it's not really a team. I mean, it's a team, but it's getting your best players opportunities during the game, and that's how you win these games. And, and that's exactly what Alabama has been doing, and that's what they're going to continue to do even if Bill's down there. Yeah, and I think that's why Saban brought him in, you know what, because he knew, Absolutely. he knew this was a guy that knew what the hell he was doing, a smart guy. He's worked with uh, Coach uh, Bill Belichick up there in New England. So if you work for Bill Belichick, you're good enough <laughs> to, you know, that's one of Saban's good buddies. So I'm sure he came with a glowing recommendation, you know what? Oh, for sure, man, for sure. And they're in good hands. Bill's He's ran 
high potent offense. So he's not going to have any problem running that machine down there in Alabama. All right, last update, Shane. Let's kick it all down to Athens. Had a little bit of coaching drama this <laughs> week already with uh, Scott Cochran. Still, you know, unclear exactly what in the world is going on there. Just said that he needed to step away with his mental health. So, you know, hope everything's well with him. But that left uh, an opening, and Will Muschamp stepped right on in and, mm. and is taking charge down there. So it, it's pretty wild that uh, on the Georgia coaching staff, we got Kirby Smart, we got Muschamp, and we got Dan Lanning, three of the top minds in recent SEC history on the defensive side of the ball. And they all have coordinator experience. Two of them Uh got head coaching experience. Two of them played together. So it's kind of, I don't want to say Dan Lanning's in a weird spot, but you know, he might be in a little bit of a weird spot, Shane, because (laughs) uh, uh, Kirby's old buddy is in town. And, and not only, you know, was he an analyst overseeing basically what Dan Lanning was doing. Now he's, uh, he's working under him. So uh, I I don't know. What do you make of that dynamic down there? Yeah, this is this is classic good old boys right here, man. I mean, I I, I think back uh, there was a video that came out and uh, those guys on the sideline. Now this is back when Muschamp was with South Carolina, and and you you just see them over just cutting up and having a good time. These guys are friends. They're I mean they're coworkers, they're employees. I mean it's definitely as boss as Kirby, but you know these guys are these guys are buddies, and um, does not surprise me that Scott is on the way out. I mean, we kind of, our eyebrows were raised when, when he got the opportunity, we were actually happy. I don't know if you remember that pod, Mike, mm-hmm. but we, 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 we were happy, man, because he's always been the weight guy, right. the weightlifting guy, the guy yelling around making <laughs> Aflac commercials with Saban. He's like, got a shot. And, uh, problem is his best friend came to town. And, uh, so the writing was on the wall and I, and again, I don't, I don't want to speculate what, what happened behind doors, but mm-hmm. it, the one thing that, that I do want to say, Mike, is this is good. This is good for Georgia. Um, I'm not worried about landing because honestly, this may be his last year anyway. He's always been, if you think about it, he's how many coaching jobs has he been rumored to have? Right. So, so it wouldn't surprise me if this is kind of similar, uh, him go somewhere and maybe Muschamp move up, but Muschamp everywhere he goes as a head coach hasn't been great, but as an assistant coach has been fantastic. Right. You think about it when he went to Auburn. You think about when he went to to Texas. Hell, even when he was down here with LSU with uh, Nick Saban, mm-hmm. the defense got better. So, as a Georgia fan, I'm extremely pumped up that he's more involved with the defense. So, I think this is a good thing for the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, one thing Dan Lanning was also asked about, uh, in addition to Will Muschamp joining the staff, but on the pass defense, because Georgia has been just so damn good stopping the run. But, you know, when I think about it in recent, specifically last season, but, you know, Alabama torched them, Florida torched them, and now they got Uh a completely rebuilt secondary there with uh, all the corners gone from last season, and they're going into a season facing Clemson, who's got a touted quarterback. And I don't know if you heard this news, Shane, but uh, Clemson's outstanding receiver, Justin Ross, he's officially cleared. He's, He's ready to go. He missed all last season. And that's the guy that torched Alabama in the national championship game. So, man, they have got mm-hmm. a tall task in front of them right out the gate with, you know, they, they had added plenty of transfers. And they've been signing five stars in the last couple of years. So they've got the talent. Now it's on Dan Lanning and this coaching staff 
to really improve upon this pass defense right out the gate. Dan, I wanted to ask about uh, pass defense going forward. It's obviously you look at the NFL draft, not a talent issue. Last couple of years, Bureau's run defense, one, two in the country, your first two years as coordinator. Pass defense, is it? Is there anything you can do at this point? Um, what are, are have you spent the greater part of the last offseason trying to to figure this out? And obviously, you don't want to tell Clemson whether you've concocted a magic formula. But where are you in trying to figure out how to navigate this? Yeah, I think you know, Seth. The game's the game is certainly obviously changing, and uh, we've always been built on stopping the run. I don't think that piece changes, but we have to be you know, creative. And I think every single year that we've been here defensively and, and coach smarts always push this, you know, we're going to continue to look to adapt and change. Um, you know, you bring in coach Adai from West Virginia had the number one pass defense in the nation. You know, last year, you obviously had coach Muschamp in the mix and we'll always have some new fresh ideas of how we can adapt and do things differently. And then a lot of it plays to your players' strengths. You know, when you have guys like Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes, you're, you're going to play and put those guys on islands a little bit more. And there were some more explosive plays, last year than, than uh, we want. And we're charting those and keeping track of those throughout practice. But uh, yeah, we'll definitely adapt and, and look for ways to uh, prevent those, those shots down the field. Coach, will, uh, will Coach Muschamp uh, keep, a, keep his nose in the defensive meeting room at all? And, and what has he brought, I guess, to you personally? He's, he's known as a guy that's been in the business a long time, very popular in that uh, building. Yeah, I just have uh, such a tremendous respect um, for Coach Muschamp and the job he does. He's a guy that I lean on a lot, you know, for advice, uh, really in every situation, you know, whether it be football life. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely think that he will be involved with us on defense and uh, excited to see that as it continues to develop. All right, Shane, so there you got it from Dan Lanning. And, you know, <laughs> it's interesting because, uh, you know, it, it certainly seemed like, I don't want to say he got upset at this question because I didn't get that, but it's funny when somebody asks and they're like, well, yeah, you're the best in the nation against the run, but, you know, let me pick at this scab that's, uh, that you're not perfect at. And it's and I, I can only imagine what's going on in his head about, like, just coaching an SEC country where, hell, nothing's ever good enough uh, until you win it all. You know what? Yeah, it isn't. And then when you get so close to the sun, you know what I'm saying? It's like they really got a nitpick here when they're when they're trying to find flaws in your program. And obviously some of those some of those read their head last year, clearly toward the tail end of the mm -hmm. season, actually the beginning of the season. I, and I thought that defense was hitting on all cylinders out of the gate and they just kind of drifted a little bit toward the tail end. So I don't know. I It's it's easy to past the blame game, but there was a lot of factors with Georgia last year. And I just, I think they're, the expectations are so damn high that they're not going to be able to make excuses anymore. And I think that's why it's nitpick because they're really, there's, you're, you're trying to find a small problem or make a big mm -hmm. problem out of something small. And, um, I just, I don't know, man, they, they have, they have, I've, they have no excuses. I know I'm rambling, but damn, this is it. This is the year. Yeah, and you even made me, I don't know why, this, I just flashed back to this game. I, sorry to bring it up for you, but uh, when they played Tennessee, yeah. uh, remember Jerry Garantano, he did have like basically two perfect passes to, uh, I, who was it? I think it was Brandon Johnson who came yeah. down with both, and Tennessee jumped out to the lead, and maybe you sit there and say, well, what the hell's wrong with Georgia's secondary? But... You know, there is no right. defense for the perfect pass. 
And exactly. out and if you remember, outside of those two passes, <laughs> it was like nothing new at all day long, you know. So, uh, you know, maybe we're making a little bit too much out of uh, out of Georgia's secondary kind of getting Mike. toasted last year. You've been golfing with me before, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we've gone 18 holes, and out of 18 holes, I may have hit one to two good drives. That doesn't make me a great golfer. I was just lucky two to eighteen, two out of 18 times. So <laughs> that's what happened to Georgia. I mean, you think about that game. It started with the fumble over the head. I mean, like the gods were giving us a chance. Yes. Yeah, so I don't I, I, we don't need to talk about that game anymore. <laughs> All right, Jay. Well, I think that's a perfect place to uh, jump off here. And uh, unless you got anything else before we hop off the line. No, man, it's just, it's just good to hear content. And I, I yeah. will say that it's for the longest time we were doing our list and, and whatnot. It's so good to hear these assistant coaches come out, talk about actual material and these players and, and, uh, you know, you're just you're watching your team. Twenty, you're watching your team grow right now, and I'm just excited. How many how many days away are we? Right uh, as now? of right now, we're 24 days away, and that's from the first Saturday. So we're really oh. only 22 days away from Tennessee kicking off. 20. That's three weeks, Mike. Three weeks. We're gonna have kickoff. I'm freaking excited. I watched the Pro Bowl. I watched. <laughs> uh, did, did we? Did you even discuss uh, my boy Peyton Manning? No, but I got the I got the helmet right here with Peyton's signature, so that's just kind of my yeah. way of honoring that. Yeah, I saw it getting Archie up there and everything. It was great. Did you see what Eli tweeted out? No, what was that? Uh, during the time he was talking about uh, him and his, I guess his daughter went golfing or something like that, and they they won some little competition, but they didn't want to tell Peyton and ruin his big day. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the Manning family, they just keep winning. So I thought that was fantastic. It's just, it's here, man. It's We got football. I'm pumped up. And uh, hopefully we'll have some more material when we jump on uh, tomorrow. Absolutely, Will. I guess that's, that's going to do it. Uh, if you made it this far, as always, uh, give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app and send that to us over at uh, thatsecpodcast at gmail.com. We'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. But that's going to do it. I appreciate you, Shane, for hopping on the line. And I appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. Catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.